0: Hello and welcome to another episode of our 20-minute playbook series, where each week I sit down with an elite performer from iconic founders to world-renowned investors and best-selling authors to dive into the ideas, frameworks, and strategies that got them to the top of their field and keep them there, all in less than 20 minutes. I'm Daniel Scrivener, and on the show today, I'm joined by Mo Islam, co-founder of Payload Space, which is building a media empire dedicated to covering the business and policy of space as in outer space. I discovered Payload and immediately subscribed to their daily newsletter after it was recommended by Delian Asparhov, co-founder of Varda Space Industries in episode 71. I asked Delian what newsletters and websites he used to stay on top of everything going on in space, and he had only one answer. Payload Space. Mo has a fascinating background in finance, having worked at J.P. Morgan and Deutsche Bank before co-founding Payload Space. In this episode, Mo shares why hubris kills startups and humility saves them, what he's learned from incredible investors like Philip LaFont at KOTU, and why he loves the book Engines That Move Markets, which I had never heard of and I immediately ordered after recording this episode with him. You can find the show notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 113. It's 113. And you can follow Mo Islam on Twitter at It's Mo Islam. With that, let's dive in and hear Mo Islam's 20-minute playbook. Mo Islam, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me again on 20-minute playbook.
1: Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: So this should be a lot of fun. I, you know, I ask, I'll ask you about ten questions. I will try to do this all within twenty minutes. And you know, the goal of this is to learn a little bit more about you and what makes you tick. Um, and obviously, we just spent quite a bit of time diving into everything space, everything that you're building at payload space in, in uh, a longer form interview, which was amazing. Uh, but I'm excited for this. So let's go ahead and get started. The first question that we always ask is just if you can share a recent fascination, what has been intriguing you recently space related or not?
1: One thing that's been really intriguing me is how do we help the world understand why space is so important? It's like, it, it's it's like one of the things that like really like makes me tick. Um, you know the gig economy tracking climate change credit card purchases it's all enabled by space and if you ask most people they will have no idea or they'll know, they won't know why and i think there's a common conception that space is a complete waste of money and it's really just for the rich right it's just for the billionaires so how do we change this perspective that's probably one thing that i it's a fascination for me because it's it it's one of those it's it's something that's so important to our everyday life but the perception of it is not that so it's very fat. I, I always wonder, like, how did we get to this point where it drives so much of what we do on an everyday life? But like, people still ask the question, why would we, you know, spend any money on on that industry or in that in that in that realm? So,
0: well, totally, super selfishly, I will say that this is why I love what you are building at Payload Space because I think for most people, all they see is billionaires launching themselves and and other <laughs> very wealthy people into space. They're not seeing all the amazing stuff that's happening, and so I think that needs to become more mainstream. Second, when you think about business and leadership, you know, what do you think of as your superpowers? Uh, You have a fascinating background, uh, you know, in finance, you're now, you know, building this, uh, you know, space media company. What are your superpowers and how do you use those daily at Payload?
1: I would maybe say two things I would, I would highlight and hopefully it could be helpful to, to others listening to this. And I think the first is when we first started Payload and the news came out, there were actually a lot of folks that hated what we were doing. And, you know, publicly, we're saying things about us and who we were, and, you know, our capabilities of pulling this off. And, you know, we always took the approach, and it's a genuine approach of, you know, we're going to kill people with kindness. (laughs) For us, like, there's just no need to engage in that type of dialogue you know i think just you know you let your you you let your product speak for itself as you build it right and and you know you just add value that way so for us you know i think that um, it's very easy in this modern era to like get into these like twitter battles it, like happens all the time and it's really silly and oftentimes it reflects very poorly of those involved so for us it's just like don't just don't stoop to that level like if you're going to publicly hate on someone it's just like hey if you have feedback you know, let us know. But um, and it's okay, by the way, if you want to publicly, I, I welcome folks giving us feedback publicly. There's no problem with it. But we're not going to ever, you know, engage and be mean to people. Like you know, that's never going to be something that we do. Um, I think the other thing is, and we did talk about this v- very briefly on the original episode, is is just this idea of focusing on on or sorry, not focusing on, but staying focused, but embracing sort of the boredom, right? I and and it's something that I really experience, and I really want to highlight because I think. A lot of aspiring entrepreneurs um, think running a business is exciting, and there's always something new. And to an extent, it is. But the other side of the coin is really executing on the playbook. So you know, once you once you build the playbook, every day you just focus on executing and not deviating. And you can't be distracted by shiny objects, right? Like the new trend, and 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 just you know, help make that distract you from the core business, right? Just focus on um, execution and ultimately building a profitable business.
0: Yeah. Operational excellence is not a glamorous thing. But if you want to, if you want to be great at it, you just have to, you have to have to keep working. Um, I want to ask about mentors uh, or figures that have shaped your approach to business and leadership. You know, in the last episode, we talked about Musk. I don't know if he is a mentor for you. Uh, When you think about just yourself, who inspires you? You know, who did you maybe learn from and what marks have they left on you?
1: So I will say, um, you know, I, I come from the world of investing, right? So I think um, my early sort of um, inspiration in helping understand trends and technologies has been really Philippe LaFont. Um, you know, he's a hedge fund manager, right? And, and, uh, uh, and he's the founder of Co2. He's a story technology investor, and he's always had really amazing insights and, and insights really into trends and how they develop. And he also turned me on to one of my uh, now favorite books, which is called Engines That Move Markets. And it's turned into a bit of a manifesto for me. It's like not very well known, at least as far as I know, I've never, ever heard anyone else talk about it. Um, and it's basically, it just like, it just like goes back to the, I think it's like the British industrial revolution or like the canal era. It just talks about every single technology that really helped shape and disrupt society from like really the, like just the 1700s, 1800s all the way today. And what you actually just notice is like the society, that society just follows this trend right? Technology as follows very clear trend, right? And once you understand how those trends develop, take place, both from like a capital p- flow perspective, and also consumer interest, you actually start to realize that, hey, like this happens over and over again. And you just as an investor, you just need to make sure that you're in sort of the right you know, right part of that cycle and depending where you are in that cycle, you know how to like pivot your business or you know how to like refocus, your focus. It's a book that I think actually where lessons can be applied to both investors and to founders. So it's a great book, especially if you're building a technology business. And I think it really kind of encompasses like the ethos that Philippe Lafont uses when he's investing and it's no it's it's not a surprise that he's turned into such a, you know, you know, storied investor.
0: Yeah. I love that answer and I think I've maybe heard that book reference once, but I've never read it. So this is a great nudge (laughs) to go and read it. And we'll link to this in the show notes as well, too, for anyone that wants to find it. Do you have a favorite quote or anecdote about being a founder? You know, and this can be serious. It can be hilarious. There's no right or wrong answer. Are there any words or wisdom that make you laugh or that ring in your head?
1: Yeah, I was actually uh, reading about this uh, recently as it relates to a company um, or project, rather, I'd say. But um, hubris kills startups and humility saves them. And it really speaks to something that I try to live by every day, which is no matter what your success level is or may not be, it's really important to always be humble about what you're building and what you're doing because it can change at the drop of a hat, right? It's very very easy to think that you're on this path of great success and it, you know, creates you know, you become overconfident. And, you know, quite honestly, sometimes like there are a lot of founders out there who are just straight up assholes, right? And like, I never understood that. And I hope I'm never in a position where that's the type of personality I develop, but it's something that's very, that's I'm very, very keenly aware of. And um, it drives away good people. It creates bad culture. And ultimately, like there's just history is littered with examples of of, of founders who just just were, you know, I mean, it, it's not... A bad thing to be overly confident um, but when it turns into more of like hubris and it turns into like well nothing can stop me i think sometimes you just you, you know you lose track of sort of some of the risks um and you know you get complete. you know it's easy to get complacent in those situations so that i would say is probably my favorite in terms of being a founder it's
0: great it's great. No, and it seems like part of that as well, too, at least my interpretation of it here and you say that is, you know, hubris is almost like you're getting detached from the reality and something that's very, very, very true, especially if you've, you know, invested in, been a part of enough startups, is reality's brutal. And, you know, it's not always fun to be engaged in it every single day as a startup founder, but it's essential that you face it. You can treat it as data. You want to try to make it not emotional, but being connected to reality is really, really, really important. <laughs> If you could go back to the start of your career and whisper some advice, a reminder, or maybe even some words of wisdom in your ear, is there anything you would say to your younger self? at so the start of your career.
1: Well, this would be my realistic advice to myself. I would say, like, it's an iterate, it's really an iteration of focus on what you love, but within reason, right? If you're like, oh, well, I'm going to go after this industry, um, but, you know, like, but I also want to make a lot of money, like, you just kind of have to, like, a lot of, like, let's be real, right? I guess more founders are motive, motivated by this and they care to admit, which is like money, right? That's fine. If you want to build a business because you want to make a lot of money, that's great. That's no, there's no pro, There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Go and do that. But if you're, you know, preaching to the, if you're preaching to the world, they're like, Oh, you know, like do what you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Like, yeah, that's true, but to an extent. Right. So for me um, I think like when I look back at my career and I, you know, you know, I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. to be quite honest, um, had I done that and I stayed on course and not been too like too sort of like um, enamored by the, the fact of the thought of coming to New York and being like you know going into banking, I think I would have ended up in exactly where I wanted to be, probably sooner, right? So I would say it's an iteration of focus on what you love, right? It's like yes, but also just kind of ask yourself the question ultimately, like why are you doing it? Are you doing it for money? Um, or are you doing it really for, you know, for something different? Right. So like, that's what I would say.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. If you had to distill down your philosophy of building a company, and this is specifically with payload, you know, you could talk about how you think about it culturally, how you think about it, you know, strategically, if you had to distill down your philosophy of building payload into just a few words, what would
1: those be? I would say that, um, you know, build a playbook. It can be boring. It could be, it could be. It could be nothing. There could be not much unique about it, but just if you can relentlessly execute on it, then you can build a really big business. Don't be distracted by the fancy stuff. Just execute and the money will come. Um, you know, Our business model is really boring. Our industry is exciting, but our business model is really, really boring. We're not recreating the wheel, I'm at least yet. Um, you know, we're just trying to be relentless executors. That's
0: great advice. Is uh, well, what's a book, article, or paper you love that you think more people should read? And I know you've already talked about engines that markets move, so you can you know promote that again if there's another one though. Share, feel free to no, share.
1: No, I that. would just say you know I would say more broadly what focus what I would love if you know more people actually read about in general. I won't maybe point to a specific book, but just like read about the Apollo era. It's a remarkable story of how as a society. We really came together for the pursuit of this amazing feat and we accomplished it. We were politically coordinated. We were or- organized as a society. Like, there was a huge um, focus on STEM, right? The sciences, science, technology, engineering, math. And like, it was just sort of a beautiful coordinated effort and really a testament to what we can achieve as a society when we're all like, you know, when we're all looking after the same goal. And I just think that just reading about sort of the story of the scientists and the engineers and all the people that, um, all sort of the, the, the people that, you know, worked on this project. I mean, it's a really amazing story. So I would say that's one thing that I wish people read more about or knew more about.
0: We'll try to do, I definitely have a couple of books on my bookshelf around. So I'll try to do a little bit of research and add that to the show notes as well, too. What tiny habit or practice has had the biggest positive impact on your life?
1: To do lists. <laughs> I've been, I, you know, the, the, the note. I, I would say like the notes app has been my lifesaver. I've tried so many different things, but like um, it, I was getting to a point where I was just missing. Like, I mean, there's just so you know, when you when you're doing something like this, there's so many things you just end up missing, right? Emails, like just you know, like things that you have to do. All of a sudden, you're dropping what you're doing because something else is more important. So this uh, phone that I'm holding up here. The notes app. I, it's like probably my most used app. I'm always on it because I'm just adding to it or I'm just taking things off, and it's become almost like a habit of mine. But it's been a lifesaver. It's been a huge lifesaver, and it's allowed me like really not to miss some of the more important things that happen. I mean, in the early days, like I would be mortified knowing, um, you know, the things that I missed, right? or thinking about the things I missed. So anyway, that, that would be my answer to that.
0: You're not the only person that said that. I know even Jack Dorsey basically runs his entire life and his to-do list off notes. It's amazing. You know, it's a, it's a super simple general utility, but it's amazing how useful it's been for so many people. Two last questions. The first is, what is your favorite way to waste an hour? If you have an hour free, what guilty pleasure do you wish you had more time for?
1: I would say that... So I'm gonna to have to preface this a little bit so it doesn't sound completely random. So uh, I, I am a huge music person. I played the saxophone as a kid, but you know it was never really my, my thing. Um, and you know, music has always been a big part of my life, what could have been, right? Um, but I actually started, I got into producing dance music in college. And I actually, um, when I worked in, in, in banking uh, right out of college, I actually was a DJ in the city as a hobby. So I was um, DJing in sort of the nightclub world in New York. And you know, I ended up playing you know, outside, outside the city. So it was something that I did totally for fun. It's always been a huge hobby of mine. And now anytime I have an hour to waste, I'm usually like opening up like, you know, live um, Ableton um, Ableton or, or a Logic and just messing around with it like I used to do in the old days. So, so it's always cool. fun. And it's always it's like a just great creative outlet.
0: Well, one day, if Payload Space has space-themed dance music playlists on Spotify, I'll know. <laughs>
1: I'll know where that came Hey, from. we <laughs> actually—you know—it's funny you say that. We actually have a playlist. We've we've yes. yet to release it, but we have a we have a playlist coming. So yes. stay tuned.
0: Okay, that's amazing. Okay, last question: What do you feel like is the most important lesson you've learned in life or business? And I think what I'm trying to get here—we've talked about a lot of stuff. We've talked about stuff specific to Payload, stuff specific to, um, you know, being a founder. I think here it's really like if you could pass on one lesson <laughs> from your life what would that lesson be and this you know you could imagine it's a son or a daughter somebody else
1: one lesson that i would pass on to um i guess the way i would think about it is a lesson that i would pass on to my children i'm going to allude to a question i asked on a panel recently that provided an answer that i think i that really resonated with me which was you know, do something in life that really matters, that helps change other people's lives. Um, Not something that's just like an incremental, like improvement on like, some like, ad buying algorithm, right? Like, try to do something that because there's just, there's just not enough people doing things like that, right? We we have spent so much of our, of the last 10-15 years, arguably one of the greatest bull markets ever, building businesses that, you know, like, As Chris would say, Chris Powers from Hadrian would say, right, that if they went away, would have no impact, no real impact on our everyday life. And I think there's so many problems, so many huge problems that are yet to be solved from, you know, within space, of course, but, you know, in energy, in food, right? That like, if we solve them, we would just have, you know, I I know this sounds very idealistic, but there's just not enough people. I I think, I think, I think, um, Daniel, we talked about this once in the past where, there's this very famous famous like survey by some like newspaper company i think it was like daily mail or something that was just like you know uh, they they surveyed like 2000 kids like what do you want to be when you grow up and The first answer, the number one most popular answer, was like influencer, right? And there's nothing wrong with being an influencer, but when you have a vast majority of the population saying that that's, or the the, the younger population saying like, oh, like you know, yeah, influencer, right? I'm not surprised by that at all. That's a real problem, and that's just not good for our society going forward, right? And it's part of the reason why I think it's so important that we continue investing in industries like space and we go to Mars, right? Because one of the biggest things that will come from a Mars mission, which people don't often talk about, is the fact that it's going to inspire people. The number of kids that a Mars mission will inspire, and the STEM graduates and the folks that they're, are going to go into those industries and are going to build and do amazing things, will pay exponentially pay for the cost of actual of the of that mission to Mars. Right. So for me, just you know, do something that like really matters, right, and helps like change people's lives for the better.
0: I love it. It's a perfect note to end on. It feels like in many ways, it's just swing bigger
1: (laughs) or dream bigger.
0: (laughs) Well, this has been so much fun. Um, Thank you so much for for the time and for coming on, Mo.
1: Daniel, thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: For everyone listening and watching, you can sign up for Payload Space, uh, where Mo is one of the founders uh, and the CEO. Um, they have an amazing space-focused daily newsletter, which I highly recommend at PayloadSpace.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at Payload Space. And again, I'll, I'm going to plug your Twitter account just because I really like following you. Uh, you can also follow Mo at It's Mo Islam on Twitter. Thank you so much, Mo.
1: Thank you. You're too kind. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 113. That's 113. For more from Mo Islam, listen to episode 110, where he joins me on our Outlier Founder series to go deep on payload space, which is building a media empire dedicated to covering the business and policy of space, as in outer space. In this episode, we cover why we're at an inflection point when it comes to space and how that was unlocked in the U.S. largely by SpaceX which has brought down the price to get a unit of mass up to low Earth orbit by more than an order of magnitude. The outsized role the military and defense departments currently play as customers for space companies, ranging from earth imaging to satellite manufacturing startups, and the space companies that Mo thinks are most underrated, as well as how Payload is building a media empire, starting with what Mo calls the Modern Homepage, which is their daily newsletter. Plus, how they crafted a compelling voice and editorial style in an old-school and relatively stodgy industry, making space cool to read and learn about. You can also find videos of all of our interviews on YouTube at youtube.com outlieracademy Outlier Academy. On our channel, you'll find all of our full-length interviews as well as our favorite short clips from every episode, including this one. So make sure to subscribe. We post new videos and clips every single week. And if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn under the handle Outlier Academy. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you right here with a brand new episode next Friday.